What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Pirates podcast today on Wednesday, October 13th. Hope you all are having an awesome Wednesday. And it is also Adam Bittner Wednesday. We're going to be having Adam Bittner from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on today once again this week as we're going to talk about the recap of the NL Central this year in 2021 with the Milwaukee Brewers getting eliminated from the playoffs yesterday. And we're going to go into a bunch of different playoff talk as well. But now is a good time to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is, of course, the first social audio platform to let you talk to fans like me, Adam, and whoever you want to speak to about playoff baseball. Hockey started yesterday and football season and basketball are about to be in full swing. But with that said as well, thank you for making Locked on Pirates your first listen every single day. I am your host, Ethan Smith, joined by Adam Bittner. Let's get right into it. On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And of course, welcome back to the Locked On Pirates podcast today on Wednesday, October 13th. I am once again your host, Ethan Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan. You can follow the podcast on Spotify, Odyssey, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. You get to see my wonderful face every day, Monday through Friday, until baseball season ends. And then three days a week, once we get back to that point, it's the offseason for the Pirates, but playoff baseball is in full swing. And of course, to my my left and your right, viewers, I have Mr. Adam Bittner today from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Adam, we talked last week, but how are you this week? How's everything going for you? I'm, I'm still doing well. I'm, I'm waiting for some colder weather. I'm ready for it. So, yeah, um, it's like thing. 80 degrees today in Savannah again, and I'm just kind of over it. I'm like, it's the middle of October. Let's get this cold weather going. I need some cold weather baseball to watch. I mean, I know it's cold in Boston, um, but speaking of what I was talking about in the intro, we're going to talk about the NL Central today. And a lot of people coming into this season did not expect two NL Central teams to make the playoffs, especially even during the season, even after we got the surprises from the San Francisco Giants. Many expected it to be three NL West teams all the way or even two NL East teams. I mean, before the season started, I believe it was either MLB.com or Baseball Reference had the winner of the NL Central being the Cardinals with a 79-83 and 83 record. Obviously, the Cardinals and the Brewers both made the playoffs overwhelmingly, uh, pretty easily, actually, for both of them down the stretch. But now both are now out of the postseason, completely removing the NL Central from the playoffs and this 2021 season. So what were your thoughts on the NL Central as it played out all year this year? Well, you know, I, I think Milwaukee's strength is is impressive. Um, I think it's, you know, a bummer for them that they, they bowed out kind of early against Atlanta. I know we were talking about that series last week as – um, you know, kind of a potential dark horse candidate for, for the Brewers. Um, and for them to flame out in four games is, is certainly disappointing for them. And, um, but, you know, I, I think we talked a little bit about it as well as, you know, what, what was going to happen when this team was, was finally pushed. And I guess, you know, we found out when they, um, you know, when the chips were down, that maybe they weren't tested as much mm-hmm. during the regular season as they needed to be. Um, so I, I think they're an interesting team to watch going forward. Can they learn from this? Can they have, you know, can they repeat that success next season, especially in this division where, um, you know, it's, it's hard to see hard for me to see a whole lot changing next year. I think, 
I, I still expect St. Louis to be solid as they are every single year. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. In, in a given year, it's it's hard to say, are the Cardinals the favorite? Or are they just a solid team? I feel like they're always just that, like, 85 to 90 win team that's that's never going to blow you away, but is always right there where it needs to be at the end of the season. Um, but beyond that, you know, I think the Reds have a lot of questions. I think we've all kind of been burned by saying, oh, is this the Reds year for, for a few years now? Um, and it hasn't been. And, 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 you know, they're, you know, just kind of scuffling out there. And then you have the Cubs and the Pirates who are in pretty much full scale rebuild build mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, are those two teams going to be a little bit better next year? Um, or in, in the Pirates case, are they going to be maybe a little bit better than the Cubs and the Cubs be a little bit worse because they kind of have gotten the ball rolling a little bit later? Um, yeah, I, I think you, you could maybe find some nuance there, but I think in the big picture, I don't think it changes a whole lot about the power structure, um, at least for now. Yeah, and I mean, that's a good point as well, is that could be a good measuring stick for the Pirates moving into next year is, can we be better than the Cubs? That's a good measuring stick to have. And realistically, it's also wild to just think of how, like, you look at the Reds over the last couple of years, and, I mean, they made the playoffs in 2020, I still kind of erase that from history in terms of a lot of different things that happened uh, happen because a good 70% of the teams that were in that playoff format were not supposed to be there, just in my opinion, based on watching the games during the COVID year. So if you take that out, the Reds actually technically have the longest normal format playoff drought in the entire division. They have not been in the playoffs in a normal format since 2013 when we beat them in PNC Park. And as you mentioned, they have a lot of questions. I believe Nicholas Castellanos can option to free agency. They have to fix some of their staff in terms of pitching in the bullpen. They have to fix a lot of different things. Same with uh, with the Brewers, though. I think one of their biggest questions is you have a very well-put-together roster, but are you willing to spend the money to make the offense better as well? Because obviously that ended up being their downfall in this series against Atlanta is their offense could just not generate anything. And for the Pirates – you kind of look at the power structure. You said, obviously, nobody expects his team to be in playoff contention next year. If they were in playoff contention next year, that is the biggest plus in a rebuild that you could ever have. But you at least want to see some progress. And there's a real shot, I think, with some of these guys being brought up next year that we've already seen this year and some guys that we haven't seen yet but that are all almost guaranteed to come up next year. Pirates might have a real shot at number four in the division. Um, but again... I just think it was kind of wild that before the season, people just kind of wrote this division off as the worst division in baseball. And it ended up having two playoff teams, which is something that not a lot of divisions can say outside of the AL East, if I'm not mistaken, and the NL West. Those are the only other two. I believe the AL Central, the NL East, and the NL West only had one team each. So realistically for the NL Central, it wasn't a bad year. And we talked about it before the podcast started a little bit. Shockingly, the Pirates had a better record against the Cincinnati Reds than the Chicago Cubs this year. Did, did you expect that based on what we saw in Great American Ballpark all year? Because I did not. Yeah, I think that, you know that's one of those. I, I'd be curious if you added up the run differential, what the you know what the actual situation would be, because it, it you know those are especially early in the season. Those were games we remember, right? Um, yep. is, is that's when they just cut the bottom kind of fell out and. Um, people started to tune it out. And, and so that's those, those kind of some losses hang differently in your memory than others. And um, I think that's definitely true of, of the games against Cincinnati and especially in Cincinnati this season, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and, and in terms of, of 
um, you know, next season for the Pirates in this division. I think number four is – it's hard for me to say because you don't really know what the team is going to look like. Yeah. You don't really know what Ben Charrington's strategy is going to be. We talked about last week, could they possibly dip into free agency and, and get some guys that are reclamation mm-hmm. projects and either – um, you know, try to fix them and make them pieces of, of the roster moving forward or, um, you know, ship them off for more prospects to kind of just continue building that depth that teams like St. Louis have. Um, you know, if, if they sign a few more veterans, kind of like they did this season and some younger players come along, I think it's it's easy to see them kind of being that that number four team. But I, I also think if if they kind of go with an all kind of green strategy or, you know, an all mostly players you've grown and not a whole lot from the outside, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to see them also struggling in a, in a similar way next year. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of where the pirates are going to go is, is going to be decided by the off season strategy. Um, but you know, it's true. Um, you want to start seeing some kind of results in some meaningful and if mm-hmm. using the Cubs as a measuring stick, um, kind of helps. I, I, I think that is, that is a reasonable expectation for fans, um, to have because you are ahead in, in the process of them. You do have guys like O'Neill Cruz, um, Contreras that we got to see at the end of the season that hopefully we'll be seeing by the middle of next year. Um, you know, if, if you start seeing those guys come along, you, you do want to see them win more games than a team that um, has a lot of guys whose, whose names we don't know. So, you know, we they played in a lot of games we weren't paying a ton of attention to. And um, Chicago is, is, you know, a massive question mark next year. And I, th- I think it's reasonable for fans to expect that, that you're, if not going to, um, you know, if, if, if not finish ahead of them, then at least contend with them on the field. And, and we did not see that in 2021. Yeah. Um, I believe the number was five and 14 or something like that. I think you want that to be closer to, um, you know, like seven, a 500 record against the Cubs or, or maybe a little bit better. Yeah. And uh, you brought up the run differential idea. The Pirates, of course, the team they gave up the most runs to this year was the Cincinnati Reds. The Brewers were right behind them at 112. And a little bit of trivia before we uh, go to our next segment. Of all the teams on the schedule, who was the one team the Pirates did not beat this year? I don't know. The Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, that, should, that was an easy one. They, they were 0-6. Uh, the only other teams that they only had one win against were the Chicago White Sox and the Kansas City Royals. Every other team they had at least two wins against, which I think is fairly decent for the most part. They were also three and four against the Padres, four and three against the Giants, um, two and one against the Indians, four and two against Detroit, five and two against the Marlins, four and three against the Mets, which <laughs> those seven games were probably the most fun moments of the entire season this year. But Before we get into the rest of this podcast and everything else, I want to let you guys know about Spotify Greenroom. Of course, Spotify Greenroom is the first social audio platform that brings sports fans together. You can download it on all iOS iOS devices right now and find Locked On Rooms about basketball. Basketball, I believe, starts next week. Hockey started yesterday. Go check out Hunter Hodes at Locked On Penguins. The Penguins absolutely demolished the Lightning last night. Um, I believe one of the Lightning players said, they could have put the Wilkes-Barre team out there and still beat us. So you obviously did something right with no Crosby, no Malkin, no uh, Kesbury Kapanen, and a bunch of other players. 
Um, but you can go to Spotify Green Room and everything I just said. If you have a rebuttal, you could answer right back at me. And it's even better because all of the Locked On hosts are on there. We're always doing stuff all the time. I'm sure during the offseason, I'll be hopping on there a lot to talk about offseason moves, arbitration, um, Rule 5 draft. The Rule 5 draft is going to be major for the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. But again, make sure you go download the Spotify Green Room app where it brings sports fans together. It's going to be like a little green symbol with the Spotify uh, logo and all that good stuff. But it's a very fun app. Adam, maybe you'll jump on there with us one of these days too. We'll see. Um, but again, looking into the playoffs right now, if I'm not mistaken, there are no former Pirates in the playoffs right now. If really? I find that hard to believe. Uh, I was, what, which game was I watching that it felt like there was an extra? There were there were a bunch of former Pirates in, in these playoffs. I guess some a lot of them have been I know the Yankees, the Yankees did the Garrett Cole to Clay Holmes thing, which was very interesting. Um, but I'm are, the actually is unless he's not. I don't think he's on the roster though. Richard Rodriguez. I think I heard something about that. I think he's not on Atlanta's playoff roster. I haven't really watched like those games. I'll be honest. I have been pretty busy. So I catch the games after the fact I watch the highlights. I don't think he's on the roster. I'd have to look it up. Um, but looking forward to the rest of the playoffs, we're going to probably talk a lot here. Astros Red Sox. And I tweeted about this yesterday. This feels like the millionth time that we've seen this matchup in the ALCS. This is the sixth straight time. The Astros have been in the ALCS for, for reference. So I mean, don't get me wrong here. They're a great team. They're a good team this year. They've been a good team for the last half decade and some. Of course, the cheating scandal kind of ruined a lot of their reputation and stuff. But if the Dodgers win tomorrow night, which I'll preview that game tomorrow um, on the podcast for everyone, and it's Dodgers-Braves again, and then Astros and Red Sox, which we've seen plenty of times, when is baseball going to cut the cord and say, hey, maybe we need to do something about making the game a little bit more balanced to where these teams are not consistently in the playoffs in the same spot, seeing the same matchups every single year. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of conflicted feelings about that because, you know, I admire a lot about the Dodgers and and the way they go for it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they just make the moves that you would want your baseball team to move. And if you're a Dodgers fan, they've got to be so exciting because they just do everything right. They sign the right guys. Um, yeah, they spend a ton of money. And but they're not like the Yankees of you know the mid aughts and you know when they were just buying players and that that was the whole strategy. The Dodgers are a great organization, and um, I don't really get tired of watching the Dodgers because I I just admire them so much. I don't get tired of watching the Rays. Um, cause you know, I admire them for different reasons and their ability to work within a budget. Um, I did admire the Astros before the whole cheating scandal. Um, and, and I think if you're the pirates, I think that's the model that you, you kind of want to go for, um, in, in terms of the rebuild. I think they're the best modern example, um, you know, of tearing down and building up and then staying great. Um, as opposed to, you know, for example, Chicago, who, who kind of did the same thing, but they, mm-hmm. they flamed out for a while. The Red Sox flamed out for a while. The Astros have never really flamed out, and nope. and um, you know I, I, the 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 young players that that the Braves have. You know when you talk about like some of those guys, Acuna and, and Albies, and all we've always talked about. Oh, they're going to be great, and they're going to be on the scene for a long time. 
well, this is what that means is, is they're going to be in these games until someone yeah. um, can figure out a way to, to get young talent to compete with them. And so I just think you, you have to like so much about the teams that are left and, and how they do business. And um, I, I think a lot of the teams like the Pirates, um, you know, like the Cubs, I think if we really dig into to the way the Cubs have, have managed their roster that was loaded with talent, um, there's a lot of criticisms that can be made. And to me, it just it feels like a lot of these teams on the outside looking in kind of deserve it. And and so it's hard for me to want wholesale changes um, to kind of get some fresh faces in there because I just I think that these teams do it the right way. And for the most part, other than the cheating, uh, but at least building your roster and, and, and doing that stuff. And and I think there's probably more to be learned about, okay, maybe more baseball teams should be like these teams yeah. rather than trying to, um, you know, save money and, and X, Y, and Z. And if, if more teams were like this, the, the regular season would be more exciting. You wouldn't have all these teams that are tanking and, and giving up. You'd have teams that were going for it. And I think that's where the problem is. I think, you know, outside of that, that AL wild card race, you know, these division races were not especially interesting other than the West and, um, the the NL West and, and and I think that's the problem is that there's just not enough teams that are seriously competing for playoff spots that are seriously going for it at any given time um, and that's kind of where baseball is and, and that's the problem and I don't know how you address that by trying to knock the good teams and the good organizations down a peg because they don't deserve it um, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing for their fans it's the teams that aren't winning that that deserve the criticism and um, you know need to do better and and, and so I. I tend to direct my focus more towards those teams than the teams that are um, there every year. So I agree with everything you said. Yeah. Like, I mean, I like what, now this is where I'll say this as a baseball fan. I enjoy watching good baseball. All these teams are good teams. That's why they're there. That's what they're there for. My only thing is, is it's, it gets frustrating in the idea that this year was kind of an anomaly in this when I'm going to say this. We should not be watching Dodgers Giants in the NLDS. Shouldn't be happening. Like, we should be watching this in the NL Championship Series because, in my personal opinion, that is the two best teams in baseball who are being limited to playing five games against each other when I think, personally, they would be in seven no matter what if it was the NLCS. I've brought this up. I don't know if I brought it up to you before, but I have brought it up to a lot of the locked-on hosts. I brought it up to a ton of people on Twitter. I brought it up to everybody. I've said this for a while. Baseball can be more fun with more teams in the playoffs. Now, when most people say that, they're like, oh, well, we saw 16 that year in the COVID year, and it was awful. I'm like, yeah, well, that was 16. You don't need to have that many. Add one more to each to each one. Like, add one more team and do it like the NFL used to do it. Do the top two division winners, play their bye weeks, or the like, or something like, or some like random thing. Like you could figure out how you want to do it. Or all three division winners don't have to play a wild card game like now, and then you move forward, and the wild card teams have to like do something. Like kind of how the NBA does it now. You could have the you could reward the top wild card by saying, okay, the bottom two will play each other, and then the winner of that game will have to go beat that team as well. So. Basically, if you're the second or third wild card, instead of having to win once, you have to win twice. I think that just kind of incentivizes teams more, as you mentioned. If you add an extra playoff team and add the incentives of winning your division and being the top wild card, I think the races would be so different because 
The Mariners, I think, were the perfect example of what you said. A smaller team that doesn't usually spend money, but they went after it, and it came down to the last day of the season. Like, the very last day. And a team like the Toronto Blue Jays, and I stick to this, man, I hate that they were not in the playoffs. That would have been a fun team to watch in the postseason with Laddie, George Springer, T. Oscar, uh, Bo Bichette, Robbie Ray. That would have been a very fun team to see. And in the format I just mentioned, they would have been there as the third wild card, and you would have got Red Sox, Blue Jays, the winner of that game goes and plays the Yankees. If I'm not mistaken, you would have got Cardinals, Reds, and then the winner of that game would have played the Dodgers. That sounds like fun baseball to me, but that's just me. I don't know how you feel about that kind of format, but I just think that makes for more fun baseball and a more fun regular season because I think more teams would go after it even just with the extra playoff team. Well, I, I think you kind of have two problems, right, is, is that the postseason is not big enough for all of the interesting teams. Um, but you want the you want the regular season to mean something because just what we're talking about, right? Do- the Dodgers and, and the Giants in a five game series, you know, those teams could play a thirteen game series, and and I don't think we would you know conclusively know um, if you want to talk about sample sizes and all of that. You know, any team can get hot for thirteen games or, or something like that, and and so the, the 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 nature of baseball playoffs is inherently arbitrary. Um, and, and the reason these teams keep coming back over and over again in the postseason is because they're the best teams in the regular season. And, um, you know, and then they kind of have to earn it in this, in this more arbitrary format. Um, you know, you and I talked last week about, you know, if you expand the wild card, um, you know, could, could there be some tweaks with that? And, and I would agree with, you know, kind of what you're saying, maybe if the second wild card needs to be the first wild card twice, um, that's not really going to add to the schedule. That's not going to overcomplicate television. Um, that's something that you can do. Um, but in terms of I- expansion, I, I don't know. I, it, it's it's just a complicated question because I, I don't think you want to have the seventh team or or the sixth team in in a league. Um, you know, kind of just going on a tear um, and beating a team like the Giants or the or the Dodgers because I think we almost saw the other end of it right is the Dodgers were subjected to the wild card game this year and if if they lose to the Cardinals maybe maybe we're having an entirely different discussion mm-hmm. um, about who's worthy and how long these things should be so I think it's it's really just the the biggest problem is the nature of baseball and and that you play a 162 game season and then your season comes down to a one you know one game wild card or a five game NLDS. Um, and even, you know, arguably the seven game world series and the 17, 17 or uh, seven game LCS series are arbitrary on a statistical basis. And so it's, it's, it's probably tougher to balance out the baseball playoffs than I think, um, any other sport for sure. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, in any other sport, you usually have more time to prepare too. Like in basketball, they get like four days before they even start the, pl- uh, the playoffs football, you get a weekly basis, all that good stuff. I mean, college football, they get three weeks to prepare for their games. Um, but before we move into the final part of today's uh, episode, which will get your prediction for Dodgers and pod or Dodgers and giants. Sorry. I was saying Padres still because the Padres are stuck in my mind. I want to let you guys know about built bar built bar. Of course is the best tasting protein bar on the market. You know, if you want to stay up and watch giants Dodgers tomorrow, when it's going to probably be until 1am because the pace of play in the playoffs has been absolutely horrific. You might need a built Bar. It'll get you up. It'll let you go. You don't need to eat chips. You don't need to drink coffee. This thing will give you the energy you need to get through your day. They have five or nine unique different flavors. 
Cherry Barcia, Cookies and Cream are some of my favorites. You can get all nine flavors in a mix box where you'll get 18 Built Bars, two of each flavor. They also only have four to five grams of net carbs and net sugar. They're also ranging from 130 to 180 calories. And when track and field goes out for the U.S., guess who sponsors them? Built Bar. When you go to BuiltBar.com right now, let them know that I, Ethan Smith, sent you. Use the promo code LOCK15 right below me at BuiltBar.com and take part in the best protein bars on the market. All right. So Astros and Red Sox will kick off probably on Friday or Saturday, I would assume, I think. Did they already yeah, announce a game? I, I haven't seen that? the schedule myself. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then, of course, tomorrow we get Dodgers and Giants. It's one game. The Dodgers have been here already before in the postseason. One game, winner take all. This time, though, they're on the road in San Francisco. Adam, what is your official prediction? Who basically, in my personal opinion, punches their World Series ticket tomorrow night? Because I think whoever wins that series is going to the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked the Dodgers last week on this podcast in, in the wild card game, and I'm, I'm going to pick them again just because, uh, you know, and there's there's a lot to like about the Giants organization too, but, you know, I think these guys with the Dodgers have been there, uh, maybe more than some of these these newer guys for the Giants. And so I, I'm, I'm going to put myself on on the Dodgers again until – I'm going to ride them until they lose. So that, that's yeah, kind of that's gonna be my pick. I mean, as a betting person, if you use betonline.ag, another sponsor of this podcast, you'll probably be making money if you continuously bet on the Dodgers, honestly. Um, and it looks like we're going to get Julio Urias and Logan Webb. Of course, Logan Webb became, I believe, the 30th pitcher all time to have seven-plus innings, 10 strikeouts, and no walks in a postseason game. Um, can he replicate that performance? It's kind of tough in these smaller series because now the Dodgers remember, oh, he beat us in game one. So they're going to know what's already coming at them. I expect this. I think a lot of people are going to expect that game to be a very defensive tilt game. I think it's going to be an offensive like shootout. I think Chris Bryant is going to get in the mix offensively. Brandon Belt, Buster Posey. I think all the big names there get uh, into the mix. Um, Evan Longoria, Brandon Crawford. I think they all get in there, all get a hit or two. Um, same thing with the Dodgers. Mookie Betts, I will say this. I love Mookie Betts still. I hated seeing him leave the Red Sox. I hated that trade like for Red Sox fans. Um, but you have to admit, and I think he's the most under one of the most underrated players in all of baseball. Not a lot of people say that because they're like, oh, Mookie Betts is great. But I don't think people really understand that Mookie Betts is arguably, if not the best player in all of baseball year in and year out. He had a bad year this well, a bad year this year in terms of what he usually does productively. But you look at him from his time in Boston to now, he's phenomenal. He's just a great player. I mean, then you have Cody Bellinger. I believe is I think Max Muncie is back. I'm not sure yet. Um, a bunch of different other things. I mean, I think Dodgers offense is gonna light uh light on fire as well. Will Smith, Justin Turner always seems to come up in these spots as well. So I think it's going to be an offensive slugfest. So I already know you're taking Dodgers. I'm personally not even a bias here. I think the Giants just being at home is going to be enough, and I think they win nine to eight. If you had a score prediction, what would the score prediction or prediction be on the Dodgers side of things? Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm probably go opposite to you. I think it'll be a low scoring game, um, and and you know it's it's so unpredictable with the weather on on the West Coast this time of year. It's it's. Uh, you know, usually October and November are pretty much the coldest months you get out there. And um, 
with the, with that wind on the bay and everything, you know, often that can kind of take the juice out of the baseball. So um, I'll I'll say Dodgers in a, in a lower scoring game to go complete opposite of you. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, and we already saw a game get postponed due to weather earlier uh, this week. The White Sox and the Astros could not play game four, and I actually am a firm believer that if they would have, I think the White Sox would have forced a game five, but not playing that game, I think, really took a lot of their like stride out that they got from winning the fir- their first game of the series, and the Astros just closed it out. Um, but I believe I will – well, I'll get your – I know this series will start before we are back on this podcast next week. So what is your prediction for Astros and Red Sox? I, I like this Red Sox team. I, th- I think they're 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 spunky. I think they're they're kind of not what we expected. And, and every once in a while, a team like that's able to make a run. Um, and I just don't want to pick the Astros. So, just being who they are and 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 what they've done, and, um, it's it's you know, it's kind of a rough choice, right? Red Sox versus the Astros. But I think I think this Red Sox team is likable enough that I want I want to get behind them. Um, so I'm going to vote with my heart here, and I'm going to go with the Red Sox and. Uh, I'll say six games. And I remember, and one thing I bring up a lot to uh, Gabrielle Starr, who used to be the host of Locked on Red Sox, we did a crossover before the season started, and she was questioning, and everybody in the media was questioning if the Red Sox would even be an above 500 team. I told her they were going to be the second wild card. So I was just off. I was just off. But they were still a wild card team anyway. This team, to me, if you just look at how they play, look at how much fun they have. <clears throat> in the postseason and everything like the thing with Kyle Schwarber, whenever he did the little flick over to first base and he messed it up the first time and then tipped his cap the second time after he messed it or got it that time, they're just having fun. And that's what you want to see. And that's arguably the best thing you can do in the postseason is just go out there, have fun, play your best baseball. They remind me a lot of the 2013 Red Sox I, when the Pirates were last pretty much really a true contender, I think in the postseason outside of 14 and 15, they remind me a lot of that team, a team that Ben Charrington built for starters. Ben Charrington built that team and they weren't like loaded with talent. I mean, this Red Sox team, they have talent. JD Martinez, Sander Bogarts, Kyle Schwarber, Bobby Dahlbeck. You can go up and down the list. Nick Pavetta. I mean, he was a big reason why they closed the Rays out. Um, but they remind me a lot of that team. I don't see that series going lower than six games, and I'm going to side with you on this one. I think the Red Sox are going to use enough of that magic. Game six in Fenway, or would it be game? Yeah, it would be game. No, it'd be game six in Houston. Are they still doing it that way? The two home, three away, two home thing. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what the structure is. Either way, I think the Red Sox close it out in six games as well, Adam. And I was so hoping the White Sox were going to come back so we could get Sox versus Sox because I think it would have been hilarious. Um, but, I mean, it looks like Giants-Braves on my side and Red Sox defeating the Astros, and it looks like Dodgers-Braves on your side and the Red Sox defeating the Astros. Let's just be honest here. Me and Adam haven't been wrong that much over the last couple of weeks. We've actually been good with our predictions. But if you want to see some other stuff that's not prediction-based, that it's just factual stuff, Adam, where do you do all of your work? about college football, baseball, everything going on in Pittsburgh and the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, you can find me on post-gazette.com. Um, been a lot of college football this week um, with, with the Penn State's big loss on, on Saturday. Uh, West Virginia's on the ropes a little bit. So I, I've been in the in the college football and the Steelers stuff. Um, and, and obviously we still have uh, Mike Persak, Jason Mackey still doing great work on the Pirates. 
um, doing a lot of season recap stuff, kind of looking at arbitration um, and, and off-season plans. So um, check out Jason and, and Mike's take um, in between. They're helping a little bit on college football now too. Jason was actually out in, in Iowa City on Saturday night. Um, so he's kind of pulling double duty, but he's still still cranking out some Pirates content. So check out both of those guys um, and, and consider subscribing because it, it, it helps us support the journalism we do. Oh, yeah, of course. And you guys already know you can follow me and Adam on Twitter right here on our names at MVP underscore Ethan and at FujiMaster24. You can follow Locked on Pirates as well on Twitter. We're like nine followers away from 700, which when we started the season, we were at like 420-something. So you guys have almost surpassed that mark as well. We surpassed a lot of marks this season as well. And also, um, make sure you always look in for me and Adam coming in on the podcast. Sometimes it's on Wednesday. Sometimes it's on Fridays, just depending on the schedules. But until then, guys, I will be recapping whatever or previewing the series tomorrow on my own. I will also be talking about whatever's going on in the world of the Pittsburgh Pirates. But until then, I will see you on the flip side.